Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Values are the foundation of what your company is built upon. So as we all know, without a foundation, the structure that is built can be destroyed at any time. Too often, the foundation is poured after the structure is built, which is problematic. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and executives win the right hire. The mission is to share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Darius Mershazadeh. He is the founder of The Real Darius and host of The Great Miss Machine podcast. Podcast. Now, Darius is a dad, husband, twin, brother, and son who was born and raised in California and now resides in Austin, Texas. He is a serial entrepreneur, author, conscious capitalist, speaker, and mad scientist CEO. He was ranked number 40 in Inc. 500 CEOs and in 2007, number nine in Glassdoor's top ranked CEOs in America for small businesses. He participated in Birthing of Giants at MIT, graduated from Stagen Integral Leadership Program, and is a TEDx curator and expert on core values. Darius's book, The Core Value Equation, explains everything on core values, which is what makes Darius the perfect guest for today's topic. Darius, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you for having me, Rick. It's great to have you. Today, we're going to discuss why values are so critical in landing unobtainable talent, and then how to roll out core values-based system into your recruiting machine. So I'm going to look at the plan today. Let's do it. I'm going to start out with a bold statement today. There is a silver bullet to hiring. Now, I hear this all the time from CEOs. There's no silver bullet. There's no right way to do it. I don't know about you, but I totally disagree. And I think that comes down to making smart hiring decisions based on building a system that makes it easier for you to evaluate people for evidence of their core values alignment with your company rather than skills. What do you think? So sometimes people will make the statement, it's like hire for personality or values and train for skill. And I think that that increases the odds of their success. Because vice versa, let's say they're the most skilled person on earth, but they're a freaking dick. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter how good they are because people won't work for them or with them. And so... I can wholeheartedly say that if someone's super skilled, but they're a jerk, that doesn't work either. So I do think it's a spectrum though. They could be the most thoughtful, amazing, core value driven person. And if they're in the wrong seat, then it doesn't work either. No amount of training on earth is going to make them good. So I'm going to go in the middle of the camp, which is values are non-negotiable, but they got to have some skills too. I agree with you on that. Skills are also very, very important. But I feel like most hiring decisions are made based on the fact that somebody's done the work that you need them to do, as opposed to they have something similar that's transferable, and yet they can bring something else to the table. To your point, if you're a dick, maybe your company's a bunch of dicks. So the fact of the matter is you want to hire other dicks. You don't want to hire people who are really nice people. So the value alignment is really, really important. Dicks sharpen dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's like a sword fighter. We we so did. (laughs) No, like, look, if you are a jerk organization, most people are, are going to have a tough time being in business if they treat people like crap. So yeah. let's go a different direction. I like to say warrior culture because that tends to be the culture that is where the people don't fit in, where you have the super ultra competitive warrior culture and then they get other warriors to show up and then they'll hire someone that's super qualified, hard worker, but they're not a warrior. They get bulldozed by the warriors and that creates a lot of heartache and friction in an organization. So it's not to say that 
that person's bad. I call them maybe the hippie, you know, the hippie with the warriors. If it's a hippie warrior, maybe, but if it's like really harmony seeking hippie, like everyone's got to get along and the warriors are sitting there just chopping each other's toes off, battling, do that hippie a favor and let them not come in to begin with. They're not going to thrive. That's the thing. Expectations and assumptions that are made during the hiring process are what hurt you more than anything else. You assume that the person's going to fit in because one of the examples I see a lot is that a lot of companies will go after a name brand person out of a big name company, which yep. may or may not work out. But more often than not, it doesn't work out because of the fact that that person is used to a certain type of culture that's totally different than what your culture would be. They're used to resources. They're used to a lot of other things that don't mesh yeah maybe they have like the queen or king of the castle syndrome too where especially if they're coming from big corporate most big corporate this is probably changing as we get more conscious capitalism going on and we get less of a command and control style companies being built but the reality is if you look at most publicly traded companies with the exception of maybe zappos that they run a holacracy there most of them are command and control hierarchies and they just over-design their infrastructure so that they can manage and they're plugging in cogs into the wheel to get things to work. You bring in a manager that's used to that into an entrepreneurial organization and they'll be like, where's my PMO office? And you'll be like, PMO office? What does that stand for? <laughs> I need to see my Gantt chart. You're like, Gantt what? There's a gap there. And I found that some can make the leap because they have that entrepreneurial edge to them. But to your point, more often than not, corporate corporate places, these bigger companies, there's a cultural attraction that gets people to go in that route. And if they've made the name for themselves there, it's because they learned and they liked and they flourished with structure. Vice versa, if you're in a more entrepreneurial enterprise, I mean, there's obviously large entrepreneurial enterprises, but in general, if you have under a thousand employees, you're a little business. I know in your brain, you might think you're big, but you're nothing. You're a little ant on an anthill compared to these mega companies that have 100,000 employees. Can you imagine? There's mid-sized cities that don't have 100,000 people. There's companies that have 100,000. Oh, easily. Building a strong foundation in your corporate values. Why is this important to the company? You're talking to a core value evangelist. So for me, everything starts and ends with core values. And I believe that core values are essentially the most valuable tool we have in our business to control decision-making and outcomes. And so my book, The Core Value Equation, essentially the statement we're making is that the core value equation in itself is that core values equals results. And I try to prove that point in the book. So if you come at it from that perspective to answer your question, if core values equal results, then everything I do needs to be with that in mind. The reason I believe that is because I believe core values have the opportunity to become the language of any organization. Organization is a combination of people coming together. If we're going to do that, then we're going to get all the results we want out of it. And my belief is I have this tool. I want to leverage it for results. It has to become the language of the organization. And that's the opportunity. Now, just because it's the opportunity doesn't mean people take advantage of it. Just like to your point that you believe that there's an opportunity to have a silver bullet hiring process. Just because there's an opportunity to do that doesn't mean people, in fact, most people don't do it. And then they suffer the consequences of that. You've put this into practice, though. This isn't just theory on your end. I'm the anti-consultant. <laughs> you know, I love consultants. They're all theory and then they get orthodox about practice because they haven't actually got their teeth kicked in doing it. I'm the anti because I was the guy that didn't have any theory, didn't want to hire consultants because I just, I don't know, was just didn't want to pay the money for it and just sat there and learned the hard way. <laughs> Old school, Took your beans. kicked in the gut hard way, right? Yeah. So all of my theory is based off of making lots of pre-theory, getting it all wrong and then iterating until I got it right and then retesting it and it worked again and then telling my friends and they did it and it worked for them. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm onto something here. It was really 
anecdotal at first. And then after I got it right, I'd go do the research and figure out that intuitively I landed on the right answer. The word intuitive is a really funny word. When you have 10 options, you do nine wrong, you have one left. Are you really being intuitive at that point? (laughs) So you found out nine other ways not to do it. Exactly. And you figured out why it didn't work because you did it. And maybe someone smarter than me could have made one of those nine work. And there's plenty of people a lot smarter than me. But what I figured out was that for a business, I believe that you want the least amount of moving parts as possible in a business. And what core values allow you to do is to create these really bold, strong assets for behavior, execution, strategy, where you get these amazing results. If you look up the word core value in the dictionary, it says a person or organization's fundamental beliefs. That's a pretty big sentence. So if I could get the fundamental beliefs right, should take care of a lot of the other stuff. And that's kind of where I landed, which was, well, do I really have to go create systems for people to get people to do the right things and double check their balances and make sure that they do all the stuff? Yeah, some of that stuff you got to do because users have a tendency to break shit. But the values, it's just one of those things. Thou shall not kill. It's not that hard of a thing to figure out once you know that God said not to do it. So think about what's your thou shall not kill in your company and make sure people know it, learn it, do it, live it, and make it the language of the organization. So that's an example of, of overly simplistic. What's the real difference that it makes in a business because you're going to get an argument that, hey, look, at I have work that I need to get done. And the fact is, will it really make an impact in my business? It's about accountability. So I say values have the opportunity to become the language of the organization. And what I didn't say was that that language is the language of accountability. And so if I create a language around accountability in my company and you have too much what I call business as usual to get done because there's always shit to do. You show me a company and I'll show you a bunch of people running around busy, either being really busy for important reasons or figuring out ways to make themselves busy so that they have an obligation to be at the job. So there's always work to do. There's never a good time to go roll out core values. It's just like there's never a good time to go work out at the gym. We're busy. So the reality is, is that we have to make time for it. What's the reason to do that? And my answer is that it's the fundamental belief of the organization. I need to make it come to life so that people do it consistently without having to think about it. And when they do that, some awesome things happen. Do you want to know what those are? Yeah. What are those things? I believe that when core values become, when we make these fundamental beliefs of the organization come to life, and in the book we talk about, How do you do that? And Rick, it all goes back to, you're going to hear me say this once, you're going to hear me say it a thousand times. You've got to make it easy on the organization or else people will stop doing it. The easier you make it, the more people will do it. And the goal here is to get them to do it as much as possible so that it becomes the thing that people do without having to think about it, second nature. And I believe that when that happens, that there's these really big things that come to life in the organization. Number one is when the core values are built for use in the book we call it Discovering Design, then you have a high utility asset. And what I mean by that, that is something that people use a lot. Well, why do you want to use a lot? What goes back to what we said before is that if I want to define and bring to life the fundamental belief of the organization, I can then have the ultimate decision-making engine for the organization. Literally, like you know how to answer any question in the organization when the values are designed to do that. Let's parlay that to hiring. That's really the most challenging piece. When you're building an organization, you're all about the people. The fact of the matter is who you hire determines your success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so let's use that to your point. This is about hiring. So if you apply your fundamental beliefs, your core values to every part of your business and then decide, nope, not doing it to my hiring process, every person you will come in will completely vandalize everything you built. Some may not. You might get lucky, but you're leaving it to chance that the people that come in are aligned with those values. And if they're not, then they'll just bust out their spray paint can and start vandalizing everything and breaking your values. And the joke I say is that if you don't get rid of them, it's like a half joke, you put a bullet in the skull of your values that day. So what I believe is that core values can become the ultimate decision-making engine. When that happens, invisible scale happens. The reason that happens is that I, to your point, 
hire people who are fully aligned with my values. And when that happens, and you know it, everyone that's listening to this knows it. When we've been around a bunch of people that share our values, dude, you just chill. You're like copacetic. You guys are doing the right things. No one's screwing each other over. No one's having all that friction around value misalignment's gone. You know when you're misaligned with the value. Forget about work. Let's go into a bar. If I'm hanging out with people and we're chit-chatting and they start saying shit that pisses me off because our values are misaligned, I'm not going to want to hang out with them. Yep. Apply that in your business. By the way, if you don't have alignment around your values, that's what happens. You have managers who are pissing each other off. Managers are pissing their teams off. Teams are pissing their managers off. And I call that friction. And friction equals losing money. So you can nail it by getting the values right and then recruiting with that in mind, doing references with that in mind, onboarding with that in mind, firing with that in mind, doing everything in the hiring process. You do that with that in mind. Yeah. And and people tend to hang out with people who share their beliefs. So what ends up happening is once you get more and more of these people together, I get to a point in my company, we had a thousand employees where two thirds of my hires were internal referrals and they all referred people who were like them. All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to land great hires. Our guest today is Darius Mershadzadeh. He is the founder of The Real Darius and host of The Greatness Machine podcast, which he starts out in a very unique way, which I love and I'll be on it in a few weeks. So we'll give everybody a link so they can tune into your podcast. Yeah. Let's line out for our audience how we can build a core value recruiting machine into their organization. First of all, you got to get the core values. So I say there's five steps to building. You got to build values for high utility. Recruiting is one of the most high value execution activities you can do with this tool of core values. There's tons of them, but that's the one where it's massive bang for your buck because you bring on the right people. They're doing the right things. They're doing it organically without having to tell them to do it. They're like, yeah, that's just how I do it. I don't tell you to work hard. You're like, yeah, I work hard naturally. That's who I am. You get really big bang for your buck. And to your point, it's probably the most high value asset you can get is a team of people that are kicking ass doing it without being told to do it. Rewinding, taking a few steps back, the way that happens is I got to build the core value so I can make sure to what I said before is that we're hiring, we're onboarding, we're firing for those values so that we can make sure that we're playing cleanup and getting the right people and keeping the right people on the bus. So that discovery piece is really what your values are, defining what those are. What I say is core values don't need to be nice. We kind of talked about the hippie girl and the warrior culture earlier. The warrior culture might not be nice in her mind or his mind, depending on who the hippie is. But the point is, is core values need to be authentic to the soul of the organization. The discovery process is around that. You don't want to be like Enron and your number two core value is integrity. And then you're blowing up the world for fraud 10 years later. Then you got to design them for high utility value. We talk about that in the book. And that's around making them meaningful, simplistic in the tone of the organization. You have headers, which is the seven to nine words you want people to remember. Descriptives, which talks about four to eight sentences that talks about what they look like in real life so that they can be measured for decision making. Once I do that, I want to... Before you move on, actually the design thing, this goes, when you ramp this into an interview process, you want to design your interview process. For sure. You need to have a roadmap of how that works. One really easy way to do that is to build your interview questions in and around your core values. Wrap those around so you can get the evidence of a core value alignment from each individual that you interview. To your point, well, first of all, I believe in hiring. You're trying to figure out what are they not telling you? Is there anything they're not telling you? That's usually the deal killer. I want to interview for that and trying to read between the lines. Because when we were prepping for the show, I believe I'd said to you, I've never met someone who comes to an interview and I said, well, you know, what's your work ethic? Like one to 10, like, oh, three, five. <laughs> no one says that. Everybody's a 10. Yeah. Everyone has great work ethic. Yeah. Everyone works hard. Everyone's passionate about their job. And then they show up and you're like, where'd that passion go? 
what I believe is that we're always trying to figure out what are they not telling us because most people put their best foot forward when they're out looking for a job. But I believe that you have to treat the core values of this big filter for that. So I'm going to go through it to your point, design my interview. My interview questions are all designed around values. First and foremost, it's the first thing we talk about. When I put the ads out, for instance, I say, welcome to our ad for such and such job. Before we get into what the job's all about, I want to tell you what our core values are because we're a core value driven organization. And then I list them in the ad and then we talk about the position. So everything leads with the values and that sends a really important message to the candidate that, wow, these guys are different. They're talking about a totally different thing. If I'm a mechanic going to work for a Pet Boys and all we're talking about is my ability to fix the car, how many mechanics jobs are going to do that? Everyone, all everyone sounds the same. We need you to be able to change oil in 30 minutes or less. Totally. But at Darius's mechanic shop, we talk about delighting the customer. And what are the things we do when we delight the customer? And what are the things we do to create memorable experiences? You're like, wait a second, this is a job for changing oil, Darius. I'm like, yeah, we're all about delighting the customer. My last company that I just exited, we were a mortgage servicing company. For those of you guys that know what that means, that's the guy you call up when you want to ream someone because your taxes didn't get paid on time or that you didn't get your statement in the mail. So if you can imagine, I got a bunch of call center employees. The only reason you call your mortgage company is you're having some sort of bad day more than likely. Yeah. You either can't make your mortgage payment or something went wrong. No one ever calls their mortgage company up because they want to chit chat and BS about what barbecue they're going to this weekend. So these call center employees are getting railed. By the way, they're making a little bit over minimum wage because it's an entry level position and they're getting railed on. And we were all about delighting our customer because our number four core value was rock solid service. So we would do stuff like call them proactively and wish them a happy birthday on their birthday. When they made their 12th payment, we thanked them for making 12 payments, send them a Starbucks card. Little stuff like stupid little things like that because we just knew we were But different. they're not stupid little things. It's all the little things that matter. I chose the wrong word to your point. We don't pay attention to each other enough. When somebody does pay attention to you, it's really nice. Exactly. And, And so all the listeners, think of the last time your mortgage company, if you're a veteran, called you up on Veterans Day and thanked you for your service. My mortgage company did that. So this is all around us because our number one core values people matter. I've never had mine do it. Damn them. (laughs) Are you a veteran? No. No one's ever called me on my birthday to wish me a happy birthday. We would literally wish them happy birthday on their birthday at my company because we're like, it's such an easy way for us to make our core values come to life. But we wanted people that would show up. And when we trained them to do this, we'd be like, what? What do you mean I'm wishing them happy birthday? I'm their mortgage servicer. Like, dude, and the bar is low in mortgage servicing. It's a call center job. And the bar is, I mean, really low. The NPS in the mortgage service business is in the low teens on the high end. So for us, we want to pick people who are going to align to that. And then what ends up happening is it creates this synergy around that we're different to your point earlier. And when you're different, you start to attract more people that want to do something different. Because listen, nobody when they were 10 was like, man, I can't wait to work in a call center. So really, your thing is to design to be different. Totally. You got to design your process to be different. It's really simple. You have to design to measure for people that align to your values. And that goes from the ad to the questions during the interview all the way to reference checks. What's the next piece? We did discovery design, what's after that? For us, I was talking about it more holistically around the values themselves is discovery design implement. So you'd be implementing this in your hiring process. And then you want to roll out, which is you roll out the hiring process, implement, making sure people do it. Your hiring managers will break it. But yeah, and I think that's leadership's fault because a lot of times they don't train on it. You really need to invest the time to make sure that people understand that this is our hiring process and this is what we're committing to and everybody's expected to do it. 
and let's do some mock interviews so everybody's comfortable with it. You have to do that. And then last but not least, we do this at the corporate level, but looking at the hiring process, we'll do it at the hiring process level. Are you measuring for effectiveness? We would go so far as say, okay, well, let's look and see turnover by position. Let's do a post interview with the hire and say, what did you think of the hiring process? Did they ask you questions around core values? So we're QAing to make sure it's actually happening. Then we do a more traditional hiring process. We would do some testing. We would look, you know, interview for skills, stuff like that. What you want to do is start to triangulate, is this hiring process creating ROI? And I think for most people, what I found, and we had a lot of managers in my business, we had over hundred managers in my company that worked in the business. And what I found was hiring was a chore. For them. It was like taking out the trash and they were just like totally for the most part, they weren't taking it seriously and they were willing to pay the price of making bad hires because for them, it was just checking a box and moving on for yeah. a lot of them. I filled the seat, sir. I'm ready to move on. Just chucking bodies at the problem. And so for me, I got really aggressive around basically not letting people do that because at scale, at small, it's easier. You can manage it. But at scale, you got 153 hiring managers in your business. You got to create a system to manage that. Let's say you don't have 153 hiring managers. Let's say you have three. You should still treat it the same way which is, are they doing the hiring process the right way? And what I find is we get so busy with business as usual that we ignore that, and then we get crushed. Go run the numbers of what a bad hire cost you. And when you start doing that, who'd they piss off? What clients did you lose? What employees did you lose? What opportunities did you not get because they were there screwing up the business? Yeah, the collateral damage is the most devastating piece of a bad hire. Yeah. Well, Darius, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Obviously, go get my book, (laughs) (laughs) The Core Value Equation. But take your values seriously. Discover what they truly are. Be unapologetic about it. If you're a warrior culture, be a warrior culture. And then it's really simple. The way we describe it in the book is design them for how you utility value, and then take them into your business, apply them against the team for hiring practices, for firing practices, for training, and make it fun and interesting. And if you do those simple things, they start to pay dividends in the long run. But I really think that it's making it simple and easy. And by really not underestimating the power of your values, if I told you, you had a gold brick sitting on the floor, keeping the door open, which most of you have on your values. If I say, what are your values? You don't know what they are. I can tell you right now, you don't have any, but they're the most valuable tool you have in your business for results. We learned it the right way and we lucked into it. And then we got really nerdy about it. And for that, we got the benefits. And my belief is if every result good, bad, or indifferent in your business is a direct result of the core values you have. Why don't you take the time to make sure that they're alive and well so you can get the right people on the bus? Boom. And with that, Darius, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our community can reach you, find your book, what have you? Yeah, the book's anywhere you buy books online. It's in every format, Kindle, Audible, all that good stuff. And it's called what again? It's the Core Value Equation. Okay. Go to Amazon, check it out there. If you want to connect with me, go to therealdarius.com. So T-H-E-R-E-A-L Darius, D-A-R-I-U-S.com. And you can sign up for the website. You can connect with me through there. And I'm on all social media on there as well. Awesome. We'll have that all linked in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and we welcome your feedback after all this show is for you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher H-I- R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Sally Spencer-Thomas. She's the president of United Suicide Survivors International. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Jerome.